replay right next to the bean field again. Well, Jake, we're finding it to be true. <laughs> the number one game species in America for most ammunition spent per bagged animal. I've spent two shells. How many have you spent? Two. Zero birds. <laughs> four, four shells for no birds. Oh, man, we just had a beautiful opportunity. Kind of slipped through our hands there. One just came in. And it was a, for a dove, it was a good-sized bird. Spread all out, nice and big, easy shot for us right by our decoys. So our decoy game is strong, but our uh, our shooting is a little rusty. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go. I think this one does. One of them is anyways, this one is. Got him. Okay, we're finally having some success here. We're getting a lot of birds coming in. We just got our first bird. And uh, we're seeing a lot of a lot more birds now. The key for this field, I think, is just there's it's a new planting. And so there's a lot of bare dirt. So we're hunting here at my workplace. And uh good opportunity by the way it's a good little advertisement for sharing the land you come enroll go to sharing the land i think sharingtheland.com something like that um i'm sure you can find the link through doug duran's instagram or if there's dougduran.com which i think takes you to sharing the land get signed up here in iowa we'll look at your resume make sure you're not some kind of weirdo and uh you know you come do a little work for us you probably get out here and hunt a little doves so, we're going to keep hunting for a little while here. Man, we might need to get the... Get some of the uh, state biologists to start doing a uh, swallow survey. I've seen about 50 swallows for every dove. So far. I think you'd have to hunt those with like a pellet gun though. 12 gauge, you'd have nothing but a pile of feathers. Not that we could hit him anyways. Labor Day, everyone. I'm here with my baby brother, Jake. If you're a longtime podcast listener, you've heard Jake on this podcast, oh, many a times through the years. But Jake, it's been a little bit of a, I don't know, it's been it's been a break for you, a hiatus. You're finally yeah. back on the podcast. You're barely awake. Why is that, Jake? Tell everyone what's uh, happened in your life since the last time you were on here. Uh, yeah, so my wife and I, we had our baby uh, girl, and she's about three months old now. And I'm used to going to bed about 8 o'clock, but Kent kept me up till about midnight last night. And then we got up at 5 to go dove hunting this morning. Yeah. And uh, 
congratulations. Awesome uh, for you guys to be in that new journey. Now you understand the struggle I went through every time I had to go hunting and stuff like that and why why I was always late everywhere. Well, I was always late before I had kids. But, <laughs> that's a good but, excuse. Uh, that's right. But, uh, no, I'm happy for you guys, and uh, it was great getting to go out and do some dove hunting today. The dove hunting was actually pretty good. Yeah. We were just bad. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> hunting had was better than the hunters. missed opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Man, we missed some easy ones. Some were, we had to take a kind of a stretch on a shot and uh, just flat out missed a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. But we did bring home a dove. Yes, one singular dove. But don't worry, we're doing it upright. Um, we're going to use the old spatchcock method of cooking. I always see that on like uh, Instagram and stuff, and it looks delicious. So I plucked the dove, so left the skin on cut it right up the uh, breastbone with a pocket knife and then cut out the wishbone there and um uh gonna so i have it in a brine now and uh gonna fry that puppy up tonight hopefully hopefully jake will still be around to try something if he sticks around long enough, he might have to hit the road by then but um it was it was a great day hunting though and um we got to do it in native grass. Was that kind of a cool new experience for you? Yeah, it was neat. Uh, and it was also cool that it was at your workplace that I haven't seen before. So it was cool walking around and seeing all that you do. And, um, yeah, just being in uh, original prairie grass is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we sat in three different fields of grass. We sat in some big blue stem. We started out there. And uh, that was great cover. I mean, birds had no idea we were there. Then we went to some little blue stem, which is much shorter. It's about half the height. And uh, that still covered us pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think the birds probably saw us a little bit more in there. We only had maybe two birds flying on us, maybe three, mm-hmm. when we were over there. And then we moved over to the Indian grass, which was our last spot. Mm-hmm. And um, there we should have started because we were hunting over this new planting. So there was a lot of bare dirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, the birds, we saw the vast majority of birds there, and that's where we finally hit one. Yep. Um, and I think if we had been there all morning, mm-hmm. then um, we probably would have had quite a bit of success, I think. So it was just fun, though, getting out and uh, and getting a, a hunt in and celebrating this earliest part of the hunting season, mm-hmm. which uh, is always a fun tradition that we we've kind of semi started that tradition, I guess, you know, we've, I've either gone out with you or somebody else. I think every Labor Day weekend now, probably for the last five or six years. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun tradition to get going and really have been able to enjoy that, you know, little warm up to hunting season. Mm-hmm shakes the rust off a little bit one of these years i'm going to be disciplined enough to get out and shoot some clay pigeons before the season <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know the last time i shot clay pigeons but a year or two ago <laughs> based on our results today we can tell it's been a while but uh we we still had a lot of fun doing it though you know though part of the re- reason that i don't get as much of that practice in is because it's happening at the same time when tree stands are needing to go up. And so yesterday, Caleb and I spent, oh, about two, two and a half hours um, getting up a couple of tree stands 
Well, really, we just put one up. We took one down, put one up, and then uh, shored up one other one from that's been there for a few years. Checked the straps and everything, and uh, cut trimmed up some shooting lanes. And uh, then my new tree stand that I have, Caleb was like drooling over. He thought it was in a great spot. I think it's in a pretty good spot myself. I'm just a little concerned that it's kind of like a what you call a tourniquet stand or what I call a tourniquet stand, I should say, where if you position a tree stand in such a like critically high traffic area, it's like, you know, it'd be like uh, putting your, you know, if you had some like major interstate, you know, those like spaghetti junctions where all the interstates like come together and they, they go all over the place. If you're to put your tree stand on the spaghetti junction of the of the farm, like yeah, you're gonna have a lot of deer go by. But if they figure you out and smell you and get spooked by you, ain't nobody going on the spaghetti junction. Mm-hmm. And now traffic is m- messed up, possibly for a few days. May depending on how bad of a, a spook it is, could be could be weeks. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, that is the one thing that concerns me. So it's going to have to be perfect conditions when I go and hunt that. But keep that in mind when you're putting up tree stands. Is this a tourniquet stand? I'm not saying don't ever use a tourniquet stand, um, but be very, very thoughtful and careful when you do. And so we trimmed up around that one as well. And um, I'm just excited to get going with the season. been shooting my bow. Um, I'm feeling pretty good there. Uh, again, another shout out to the Dead Nuts Outdoors uh, Target that I use. That thing is incredible. It it helps me with my shot placement so much, which is something I need. Quit laughing at me, Jake. He knows I need help. You need help too. But uh, it's it's been a uh, it's been a huge asset to me going into the summer. So, Jake, what are your uh, hunting plans? So you got doves in this 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 year already. Yep. What else are you thinking? I mean, you got a new baby now. It's going to be busy. What, uh, yeah, what probably. I think we talked about going out opening day again, like we've been doing. Um, and then after that, uh, I haven't really made many plans. Um, it's kind of a, one of those down years where you got to just take care of everything you need to at home, and which is fine and great. So you can hunt in the future years. Yep. Well, I'm hoping that maybe we could do a late muzzy hunt together. Um, yeah, that's always fun. We, we haven't done that in a while, and we've had some fun doing that in years past. We have this great story. I think the last time we went late muzzy hunting, remember when we went with Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we got a Daniel is an incredible human being. So this guy ran a marathon in sandals. Mm-hmm. Yes, you heard that correctly. He ran a marathon in sandals. Not a half marathon, a full marathon in sandals. And he trained barefoot. Yeah, the guy's incredible. He's a machine. So he's hunting with Jake and me, and we're having a great time. He's just a ton of fun to be around. Um, in fact, just a little side note, just to give you an idea how tough this guy's feet are. <laughs> One time, it was like, to give you an idea of the year, it was like the game or two before the Super Bowl. It was a playoffs. So I remember I was listening to the 49ers pound the Packers, which was just awesome. And... um so I go over to Daniel's house. He's moving back to Utah from Iowa. He's originally from out west. And um, he had all this venison he wasn't going to be able to haul with him across the country. And he's like, Ken, I can't fit it 
Um, if you want it, you can have it, which is an awesome gift, right? So I show up to go get this venison from him. It's dead winter. And we had had like an ice storm or two already at this point. This is like January. And there was a sheet of ice on his driveway that was a couple inches thick. And it was one of those super cold nights where wind chills probably below zero. <laughs> Real temp is like, you know, barely double digits, maybe. Probably single digits. And I, I like pull up and I can see through the window. Daniel's in there in his shorts and t-shirt and bare feet packing the house up. It's like, all right, that's pretty extreme. You know, it's cold this time of year. But he's inside. He's got heat and all that. <laughs> well... Then comes the time, you know, that I go in there and start hauling meat out to my truck. And I'm, like, waiting for Daniel to put his shoes on. I'm like, man, I'm going to be hauling all this stuff by myself. Daniel's not putting his shoes on. Oh, no. Daniel was going to help me load my truck. He just didn't care. He walked on the snow and the ice in single-digit temperatures in shorts and a T-shirt and helped me haul this meat out to my truck. Well, I thought he was going to be, like, prancing back into his house, you know, like a magical unicorn or something. No. He stands around and shoots the breeze with me for five or ten minutes standing on the That's ice crazy. sheet. He didn't even go stand on, like, a little patch of cement or something. He kept just standing bare feet. I don't know how you get frostbite. <laughs> I got better section. And, and he traction. was, I mean, it wasn't like he was putting up with a conversation. He was, like, extending the kind, con- like, adding to it. Like, yeah, let's have a good chat here. You know? So, anyways. <laughs> This guy's incredible. Knows no pain. He's 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 incredibly fit. So Jake and I go on a late muzzy hunt, and it was pretty cold then too. It not was. not as cold as it was on his driveway that that one night. But um, we finally end up the hunt. We you know this was still pretty early on in Jake and my hunting years, and and uh, we probably were still doing some pretty stupid stuff while we were hunting, you know, spooking deer, sitting in terrible spots and that kind of thing. All that stuff you got to learn. But um, we were sitting with Daniel for a couple days hunting, and uh, uh, there's another funny part of that story too. Daniel was kind of like playing with fire a little bit because they were in the middle of moving, and he he went hunting and left his wife to do all the packing. But uh, and she, she thought was the we were going to so. be home at like, yeah. 3, 8, 3 p.m. Yeah. And Jake's wife had to be like, oh, no, they're not going to be home until 3 a.m. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, so we're out there hunting with Daniel. We're having a great time. And uh, we uh, finally wrap up the hunt. And I wanted to go check this trail camera, which is in the middle of 40 acres of dark timber. And the closest thing we have to a pin on this this uh, trail camera is Jake screenshotted his pin on Google Earth. <laughs> he didn't even like have it anymore on his Google Earth. It was just a screenshot, or we didn't have reception, so all we could do is kind of like look at that. And so in the pitch black, Jake and I are like tripping over thorns, walking into trees, checking every tree. Tri- I mean, forty <laughs> acres of timber, and. And uh, it's taken us forever to find this thing. And Daniel's kind of looking with us, too. And we're like, hey, Daniel. We had Jake's four-wheeler with us. And it was like, <laughs> what, a mile it. away? It was <laughs> three, a long ways three away. Three quarters of a mile away. And we're like, hey, Daniel, while Jake and I are looking for this, you want to go get the four-wheeler? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And it was there was a huge 
uh, cornfield in between us, picked cornfield, but not like, you know, just the corn stubble. No, this farmer knifes in anhydrous in the fall. So you essentially, it's like running a field cultivator or, or almost like a chisel plow through the field. You know, you get like these big clods, frozen clods. It is not easy traveling. Mm-hmm. So Jake and I are like looking for like five more minutes. And all of a sudden we just hear it like in the way out in the distance. We're like, no way. (laughs) And finally we find that trail camera. And uh, um, just as we're walking out of the timber, Daniel's like, Pulling up to give us a ride back, you know, a mile back to our, yeah, we had a triple dude it on the four wheeler, which was interesting, but, uh, I sat on the front for the record. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, it was a great time hunting. So hopefully Jake and I can do another uh, late muzzy. Um, thanks again, Jake, for coming down and dove hunting with me and, and, uh, just extending, you know, our hunting season a little bit. Yeah, no, it was good. And I even got to stop by and do the, the ritual of stopping by Casey's on the way here. So I even got <laughs> Gigi in on some Casey's pizza and she's, she hadn't had it for a while. And she's like, man, this is good. And I was like, yep. Sometimes Kent and I talk each other into getting another slice the next town over. So and <laughs> That's she true. said, no way. And we absolutely said, do. We pretend like we're going to be healthy. How can you be healthy? We're working hard. Yeah. And uh, then we're like, man, what was I thinking? This pizza is so good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And we hit it we hit it the next town over but it's all part of it it's all part of the journey and i hope all of you are making your own hunting stories out there speaking of which a podcast listener i'll just say his first name robbie uh hit me up on instagram and told me he's like hey kent you know listen to the the pick and bones episode you did on dove hunting and um He's like, I went out for the first time ever. He's a first-gen hunter, by the way. Went out for the first time ever dove hunting and got his his first dove. That's took his cool. dog with him. And uh, I think he was on public land even. Wow. It's just really, you know, that's what it's all about. That's why we do this show. It's to, to reach people, help them find new things in hunting, new ways to enjoy it, new ways to expand their, their you know, experiences. So please reach out if you're uh, doing something similar. Maybe you hear something on this podcast that can help you. Um, love hearing it that's the best part really is so thank you to all of you listeners for tuning in please go and check out our presenting sponsor spartan forge you can find a link for them in the show notes or in the link in my uh, bio on instagram spartan forge is a mapping app perfect for e-scouting this time of year perfect for dropping pins where you put your tree stands or your (laughs) trail cameras in the middle of 40 acres of timber um great for uh figuring out where you need to access you know i i recently had john teeter from uh, whitetail landscapes on on uh, the podcast and we were talking about the difficulty of hunting in whitetails in different parts of the country and he's up in upstate new york which is a very challenging place to hunt deer and um, i was kind of like you know me like yeah man you got it so rough up there i got it nice and easy here in iowa He's like, wait a minute here. You got it different in Iowa. Some things are definitely easier, yeah. But when you go into the timber, you have like way more deer that are right there that can spook and ruin your hunt. So you got to be really good about access. It's like, you know what? That felt pretty good. And yes, <laughs> that is true. So 
here in Iowa, mapping out your access points is incredibly important if you want to have a successful hunt. We, in fact, need to do just a whole, maybe, maybe a pick and bones or actually maybe even a full episode on how to set up better access um, to and from your tree stand uh, or your ground blind or, or if you just like hunting on the ground like Jake and I do. Um, that's a huge, huge part of it. Jake and I put a ton of planning into that now when we get together on hunts, how we're going to access. But Spartan Forge can help you with that, help you map out that whole process, help you go and find which door you need to knock on to get hunting permission in a key territory during different phases of the deer season. But even better yet, you can subscribe and pick up the additional uh, services that you have. You can pay for the $30, the $30 $29.99 full year subscription and get access to the deer behavior prediction that can help you prioritize uh, what days to hunt or it can help you choose which stand to hunt based on what the the data says deer movement's going to be like that day and uh, i have used that to my advantage before it's tremendously accurate and helpful so be sure you check out spartan forge Again, you can find that link in the show notes or in the link in my link tree on my Instagram bio. And then I uh, also want to thank Alex Gruen of East West Hunts. East West Hunts has been a proud sponsor of the First Gen Hunter podcast for many years now. Alex just sent me a text this morning of a very, very happy client. In fact, I'm going to get the – Jake hasn't seen this yet, so Jake's going to give us the uh, initial reaction to uh, um, this this uh picture that alex sent me this this morning of a velvet muley that one of his clients just shot that he did a hunt plan for. oh wow thanks he's a giant how many uh what how many points does he have it's like a five by five five by five muley looks to be at least a 170s i'd say maybe 180s i mean just a giant velvet muley alex planned that hunt and um Wow. He can plan a similar hunt for you. He's planning hunts for me. He's helping Caleb and me with our uh, hunt coming up in Nebraska this winter. And uh, we're renting gear from him. You can do all of that, too. Go to eastwesthunts.com. And uh, here's the best part. Alex does not, like, roll with somebody that he's not sure if, if his services are the best for them. So the way he screens that is he does a free consultation with you, figures out what your hunt goals are, what your plans are, maybe where your knowledge level is on, on tag applications and buying points and that, and knowing how much help you're going to need and all that. And he will custom fit his service to your needs. So call Alex, go to, the, go to his link in these show notes, um, and you can... Give him a call, send him an email, send him an Instagram message or whatever, and uh, get in contact with him. Get that free consultation scheduled. And then if you do decide to go with the services, use the promo code FIRSTGEN10 or just tell him that, hey, Alex, I listened to the First Gen Hunter podcast. I heard about you. He'll save 10% off of uh, those services booked through Alex. So, again, eastwesthunts.com. Talk to Alex. You won't regret it, and you'll get those dream hunts going instead of just talking about it you'll be on them living them out and then when you fill your tag you're gonna need a good taxidermist and my favorite place to go is old barn taxidermy uh old barn has been doing what they do for decades and uh, they truly are as good as it gets in the business 
Um, Sam Gaylord, the founder of Old Barn Taxidermy, has grown his shop to be uh, one of the biggest in the Midwest. Um, he takes in mounts from all over the place, takes in all kinds of different species. Of course, being here in Iowa, whitetails are their bread and butter, and they do over 500. Yes, you heard that right. Over 500 whitetail mounts a year. And uh, with that kind of experience, you know it's going to be good. And really, some of the biggest names in the whitetail world trust Sam and his team to do their mounts for them, and they are truly works of art. Jake, you've seen both of my old barn yeah, mounts. Yeah, they're great. Are, they're, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're fantastic. And um, if they weren't good, somebody in this house would not let me hang them there, right? <laughs> yeah, Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Caitlin would make fun of my tag? She absolutely would if it was not good. <laughs> she would say, you're not going to hang that up, are you? <laughs> but I don't have to worry about it because I go to Old Barn Taxidermy, a legit, a legit taxidermist who knows what they're doing, and they do great work, beautiful work. And um, I can tell when my – so my dad and I, we have this tradition. We go down whenever I got a new shoulder mount now. We go down there together. I can tell he's impressed. He's like blown away by the artwork um, that those things are when they're done. And so it's uh, something that I'm very proud of, and I'm very proud to be working with Old Barn Taxidermy. If you go and get your taxidermy done with Old Barn, please tell them that you heard about them on this podcast, the First Gen Hunter podcast. And uh, what that does is that lets them know that, hey, this partnership is working out. And uh, that's good for me. That's good for them. And it's good for you because you're getting good t- taxidermy that you're going to be proud of and proud to hang in your house. So, again, go to Old Barn Taxidermy. You can find their link as well in these show notes. Well, thanks again, Jake. Thank you to the listeners uh, for coming back episode after episode. We do this for you. We love talking to you. Please reach out if you haven't yet. Love hearing from uh, who's tuning in. And um, until next time. Go leave us a uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and then take care and take someone hunting.